If you ever stopped at a railroad crossing and the signals are flashing and you don't see the train or it looks like it's moving slow and you're thinking maybe you can get across the tracks before the train comes, think about this. In 2018 alone, 270 people were killed at railroad crossings. 270. Stop. Trains can't. Support for today's show comes from Collection by Michael Strahan, available exclusively at JCPenney. Collection by Michael Strahan makes it easy to look good and feel your best no matter the occasion. The collection includes suit separates, sport coats, dress shirts, neckwear, belts, accessories, basics, denim, luggage, and shoes. Big and tall and boys' sizes too. Collection by Michael Strahan is available exclusively at JCPenney. Visit a store near you or go to jcp.com. Welcome to the Ringer NFL Show. I'm Robert Mays, joined as always by Kevin Clark. Kevin, how you doing, buddy? I want to talk about Daniel Jones for, <laughs> I don't know, nine hours, ten hours. I'd like to do a full series, like a Netflix ten, ten part deal where just me staring at the camera talking about Daniel Jones. Uh, I am completely stunned by it. And I know we have to talk about other things, but... We'll be talking about those other things with Danny Kelly, who is also on the line. <laughs> Danny, up, it, it feels like Thursday was the culmination of a very large amount of work for you. And oh, uh, yeah. it went pretty much as expected in a lot of ways. I don't think there were any huge wrinkles outside of the Giants doing whatever the hell the Giants are doing. Yeah, it's like it got to the point where we kind of expected it. So it wasn't that crazy, but yes. it, was, it was pretty crazy. Um, that was the, I would say, the defining moment of the first round. There was, um, I, I guess the Kyler Murray ending up going number one thing was, I guess, like a big relief for me for some reason. I was really kind of just hoping, I was just hoping that would happen. I don't know why. Yeah, you were, were worried stressed about, it? Out about it? I just, I don't know why for, for whatever reason, if he didn't go number one, it was just going to like, <laughs> like create chaos. I guess I should have been rooting for that, but um, for some reason I was just like, okay, good. That's like what, that's what we thought was going to happen. So it happened. So do we have one of these every draft? Because last year it was Josh Allen, where it was a quarterback. We were all sitting there looking at it. And we were like, so he's not very good. And then he goes in the top 12. I mean, last year it was seven. Obviously, this year it's six. But is there one of those every year? Here's the difference. Josh Allen was rumored to be the number one overall pick at one point. He was a first-round pick. I understand it. He had the arm strength. He, you know, had some big-time throws you know, against weird competition, but he at least we, we you could see the upper limit to what Josh Allen was. Daniel Jones was ranked number one hundred by Danny Kelly only <laughs> because he needed to rank him in case he was drafted. I'm probably lower than a lot of a lot of the draft analysts around. Drew Locke, but, but okay, yeah. they, essentially, my I was ready to make fun. My entire shtick on this podcast is going to be who overdrafted Drew Locke. Okay, the Giants went out and just got worse Drew Locke. And then Drew Locke didn't get drafted. (laughs) At least Drew Locke has some of those traits that you want. I thought Drew Locke would be maybe this year's version of Josh Allen just because he's somebody that has arm strength. You could talk yourself into it. Danny, again, you are, are low on him. I don't like him. But because you're kind of the detached analyst here on the draft side, can you at least play devil's advocate and make some case for why this makes any sense? Sure. So, okay, he he's a toolsy guy, and it's kind of it is somewhat similar to the Josh Allen thing in the sense that he's you know got the frame, he's got the mechanics. Uh, he like on the hoof, he looks like a like a pro quarterback in the sense that he you know has an adequate arm. Um, you know, he's very athletic. He he's actually he he's sort of in that Josh Allen mold in his athleticism. So, 
um, he can but, bring that as a runner. But like overall, he has the tools that you want from a quarterback. It's just to me the the thing that like completely you know makes me very very worried about his pro potential is uh, he doesn't throw with very good anticipation. He's deep. He's inaccurate deep. Um, he's very kind of scattershot deep and. and uh, he doesn't react to pressure very well. I just think there's a lot of things that are really working against him. His statistics in college were terrible. I know that he had a bad sports system, but I mean, man, they were really, really bad. So there's just so many reasons to be skeptical of his pick. So here's the thing with me. He's not toolsy. I agree, <laughs> I, I agree with that. His He's tool not is that he looks like a quarterback. Like that right. is his skill. <laughs> And it's when I watch this guy, it's not like there are these eye popping throws that jump out at you. Like, man, if we can just wrangle this, Josh Allen had that. And I, when I've the few games I've watched from Daniel Jones, it's not as if he's got this just cannon arm that you're like, all right, if we just clean some of this stuff up, here we go. But when I'm watching that guy, it's I'm not looking at a guy where it's like, man, I'm really intrigued just by the skill set. He looks like an NFL quarterback, and he's boring. The, these are the things that make <laughs> Daniel Jones attractive to NFL teams. <laughs> I mean, uh, Gettleman was talking about how he fell in love with Daniel Jones. I didn't see the presser, but I was reading about it on Twitter. He fell in love with Daniel Jones based on a few uh, telling, I guess, drives in the Senior Bowl or something like that. And <laughs> I he mean, said he saw a pro quarterback at the Senior uh, Bowl. Great. Look, I was, I was the seventh round. That's awesome. This is the second the straight Bowl. year where Dave <laughs> Gettleman has had no idea and no concept of what value is in the draft. He's had two top six picks. He turned it into a running back and a quarterback who can't play. Last year, he made fun of the idea that he should trade down. This year, he took a guy... I don't know, generously so weird. 30 picks too early. He could have just d- yeah. gotten in the back uh, end of this first round and just gotten Drew Locke that way and then taken an impact player that w- with, with the sixth overall pick. I, I just, Dave Gettleman, I can't emphasize this enough. We talk so often about people who don't know what they're doing, but those people actually know what they're doing. Dave Gettleman has no idea what he's doing. Hey, by the For way, spe- along those lines... Let's talk about what they did with the first round pick that they got for Odell Beckham. Oh yeah, we we weren't done piling on the Giants. Don't <laughs> worry, I was getting there. It, I the fact that they traded Odell Beckham for what became a 340 pound defensive tackle and Jabril Peppers, you cannot get any more Dave Gettleman than that. That is just yeah. him boiled down to his essence. Like you know what, Odell Beckham, not that great. I want a 340 pound nose tackle. I would be. You can't even absolutely. fire him now because he, he feels like he's got a plan, right? Like I just, I, if you fire him now, no, he's already done all the damage. I'm I, like, I'd rather him see this out because he's already done all the damage, and you he can't screw anything else up, right? So, God, I just. I mean, they're gonna go like four and twelve for three more down. years, and then he'll get fired. But I'm just saying, I'd rather if I'm John Morris, like you can't get Odell back, Odell Beckham back. You can't get the pick that you got for Odell Beckham back. It's over. It's all gone. So you might as well just stay with him and you know see if see the car wreck. And not to be outdone, the Giants who traded away Eli Apple last year 
decided to trade up from 37 to 30 and then give up with 132 and 142 because the Giants are definitely the sort of team that should be making trades up for specific players <laughs> because they have a ton of talent. I mean, yeah, even, if you like DeAndre, even if you like DeAndre Baker, it, it's just not a move that smart teams do. And nothing that they did today are in line with what smart teams do. I want to talk uh, about one more thing regarding this. So Dave Gettleman comes out and says he might sit Dan Jones for three years. Might sit for three years. And this harkens back to something that Dave Gettleman said earlier in the draft process, which is he likes the Kansas City model. Yeah, which is not the Kansas a Kansas City thing. model. Well, no, no, it is a thing. I mean, it's— But the thing involves having Patrick Mahomes. That's the end result of the Kansas City model. And also, by the way, getting Alex Smith— uh, give, giving him away and getting a second round pick and and Fuller in Correct. return. You're and, not going to get that for Eli Manning. So you're going to have a bad also, quarterback and nothing to show for your veteran quarterback. Congratulations on your Kansas City model, Dave Gettleman. <laughs> the Kansas City Chiefs, I believe, finished number four in offensive DVOA the year that Patrick Mahomes was sitting on the bench and Alex Smith was the quarterback. Sure. They also have a good offensive staff and they're also a good team. Well, yes, but I'm just saying there's a reason that you sit a guy when you are a playoff team and your offense is very good. That yeah. is not going to happen with Eli Manning and this offense this year. Uh, the Giants in one season have managed to go from having an offense with Eli Manning throwing to Odell Beckham to an offense that has Eli Manning, a six, uh, the sixth overall pick tied up at another quarterback, and Golden Tate. This is where we are. I would be, I'd be irate if I was a Giants fan. Let's get beyond the Giants because we could probably talk about this for way too long. Yeah, Danny, outside of the New York football Giants blowing up their entire franchise, what from the first round, what, let's stick with the top 10. Anything in the top yeah. 10 that was truly shocking to you? I think that the Cleveland Farrell pick by the Raiders yeah. is probably the one that went furthest away from most boards. But outside of that, everything makes some sense, even if Josh Allen to the Jaguars isn't necessarily something most of us predicted. Yeah, the, the Farrell pick was, I think, by far the most surprising to a lot of people, um, You know, just because I think most people expected him to be in the teens or maybe in their early 20s. I actually had him number six on my board. I really like him. I think I was, you know, definitely higher on him than a lot of people. I think he's just a really high floor pass rusher with, you know, a very good skill set. But he, he doesn't have quite the upside as a lot of these other guys in this class, like the fact that he went before Ed Oliver, or, um, you know, uh, Josh Allen even, is, is pretty surprising. So that was that was a big one. Um I mean, other than that, it, like you said, it was a little bit chalk. I think Hawkinson going number eight to the Lions, which we talked about the other day, is kind of funny. Uh, he has a lot to live up there, live up to there, and, and is going to, you know, hopefully that he becomes a big impact player because I just feel terrible for Lions fans if they had another top 10 tight end that didn't really, you know, pan out for him. But um, it's a very different player. And I think I mean, that's he, the he's good enough. In favor he, of it. I, I, I'm high on him. I think he's, he's definitely good enough, but. Man, he's got he's to really be good to, I think, live up to that pick. Yeah, they certainly have ghosts when it comes to top 10 tight ends, and especially in drafts full of really good players and really good defensive players especially. So, yeah, that one, again, we, we saw that a little bit, but I don't think either of us expected it to happen. Outside of that, though, Danny, I mean, there really isn't a lot of stuff that jumps out. There's a lot of chalk. 
Um, obviously, I think Jonah Williams is, we thought he was the best offensive lineman in the draft. Yep. Both Devins go in the top 10. The Steelers moving up to get Devin Bush, again, not surprising. I think that it's more aggressive than something they would normally do, but in terms of positional need, yeah. they really needed a presence like him in the middle of their defense. I, I love that pick. I, I I'm like we said it before. Like I I generally speaking hate the idea of training uh, trading up for any player other than a quarterback, um, especially in the first round. Like in the second, and third round, it doesn't matter. But because um, you're giving up a lot to do that to that move, and so he's got to be a very like he's got to be a huge impact player. But I think he can be. I think he'll be a star. Um, he has the speed. Uh, that you know, he he's I don't know if he's as fast as Shazir, but he he's definitely really fast. He he's explosive. He can blitz. He can do everything. I think that the Steelers like to do on defense, and so um, that fit is just perfect for me. And, and he's kind of a, a you know a tone setter and all that stuff. So it, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch that one. I think um, it's worse when you really give up high level draft assets to do it. Like, like, for example, the Saints last year going up and getting Marcus Davenport and having to give up their first round pick. That's exactly what I was thinking of. Yeah. The, the fact that Denver, I mean, or excuse me, the fact that the Steelers gave up number 52 and a 2020 third round pick to do this, it's much more palatable. It's not debilitating. Yes. Yeah. The one pick I actually want to get your opinion on that I thought was pretty interesting is I don't know if I saw very many people mocking Josh Allen to the Jags just because. The Jags, I think, are, and, and I know that the four-three-three-four distinction doesn't matter quite as much as it used to, or might not matter at all anymore. But I always saw Allen as like a, a prototype three-four guy who's going to be standing up a lot and rushing. Um, so I'm kind of curious how that'll work out, and if they're going to have him stand up and rush and kind of be like a Sam linebacker on base downs or whatever, like how they're going to utilize him, or if he's just going to be a dedicated hand in the dirt rusher because. I don't know if that was necessarily like his forte in college. He was definitely more of like a play all over the defense kind of guy. So I'm I'm interested to see how he's deployed there. I'll be curious to see what their plan is long term at that position. If he is going to be a true edge rusher for them, you know, Clayus Campbell is on the books through 2020, but he's 32 years old. Right. You have Yannick Ngakwe who's hitting free agency next year. He's going to get that Demarcus Lawrence Frank Clark contract or the franchise tag. So it just feels like this is a contingency yeah. plan for some questionable or some kind of up in the air contract situations at that position for them. For me, it just doesn't feel like I think when you use a guy with that kind of varied skill set off the ball a lot, you're doing yourself a disservice. I think that's a way to right. make that guy less impactful. And yeah. that's why I just would make him an edge rusher. I, I wouldn't ask him to do all these different things. Did you have a favorite pick in the top 10? I would probably say Ed Oliver just because if you can get the most talented player in the draft at number nine. And again, the the, the Bills <laughs> are in perfect. such an interesting place because they spent a lot of money in free agency this season. I, uh, I, uh, can I ask a question? Do you really think Ed Oliver's most talented? I don't know what talented means. Just like, season. I mean, his athletic profile is, I mean, you absolutely could argue he's the most physically talented athlete in the top 10. Right? Danny, do you think that's far-fetched? I'm just looking through it here. I mean... I, you could, uh, yeah, probably. You could argue Kyler Murray is like. Yeah, that's, I, I was going to say yeah, Kyler that's Murray fair. is really freaking talented. But pound for pound or whatever, it's hard to just pound for pound because it's Kyler you, Murray. If you look at these that's other guys, if you look at these other guys, I mean Josh Allen may be in that conversation, but I mean Nick yeah. Bosa is very high floor, but I right. think pretty defined ceiling. We we watch his ceiling every single week with the Chargers. I think Quentin Williams is a very good player. I don't think Quentin Williams is ever going to be a dominant player just because, again, his athletic right. traits are not there. Cleveland Farrell is the same way. So it's, I just think that Ed Oliver has an upside 
that not that many guys in the top 10 had. And if you can get mm-hmm. that guy at nine, I think it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I mean, and it fits, you know, I think uh, they had that need. It, it fits their scheme. I'm really excited to see if they'll have him kind of rush off, a, you know, three technique uh, or, you know, potentially even on the outside, just based on his physical traits. Like if he can play elsewhere from, you know, instead of just being like a two gapping nose guard or nose tackle or whatever, um, I'm kind of excited. I'm really excited to see, you know, how he can blossom in, in more roles in that defense and see like how they use him. I just feel like he's a three technique under tackle in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, I it's, when you look at a guy like that again, which is his physical profile, it's probably tempting to say, man, how many different ways can we use him? But I just don't think you get that cute. I, I think you just put him at three technique, tell him get after the quarterback and you just figure it out. Absolutely. Later. Yeah, Absolutely. Is there a pick, Danny, outside the top 10 that was your favorite of the night? Man, that's, I mean, I really like the Jonah Williams pick. Yeah, um, me too. To the Bengals. I mean, that's a home run for me to them. I think, you know, he, I, I wrote this in my in my grades. He could literally be a pro bowler at any position on that offensive line, I think. Like, there's talk of him potentially, not, not from the Bengals, but there was pre-draft talk of him potentially being a center. Um, he has obviously the skill set to play guard. I think he could be a left tackle if he needed to be. Um, he might not need to start there. But this is another one of those. It's just like let him fucking play left tackle. Well, he's a really good I left mean, tackle. I'm, I, I I'm just don't that. get why yeah. this happens. I'm fine with that. It, it'll be interesting to see what they do. Obviously, they traded for Cordy Glenn, and and you know, so he might not start there right away. But um, I, I absolutely agree with you. I think he's got a left tackle skill set. I'll say if if Montez Sweat is healthy. He's the steal of the draft. You think so? I mean, yeah. I think he's really good. And I think if you got him at 26 and there's no... I mean, there was a weird report earlier on Thursday that some teams thought maybe there was a misdiagnosis. If, yeah, what if was that's that? true, I, I, don't, I don't know. I'm going to... Let's, let's leave that aside for a second. If Can I say true, I like the Redskins draft? Yeah, me too. The Redskins, it, it worked out very well for the Redskins. So they had to give up the number 46 pick and the uh, 2020 second rounder to move up to 26 for Sweat. Again, not ideal, they, but it's not debilitating. And yeah. the fact that they could just sit there at 15 and get the second best quarterback in the draft and not have to worry about moving up everything else. I mean, they, that is a perfect scenario for They them. did the thing, I talked about this with when Danny and I were on a Priscilla earlier in the week. I, they did the thing that the Chargers do a lot, which is just take the famous guy. Yeah. Just like take the most obvious pick. <laughs> yep. They did that twice with Haskins <laughs> and then Montez yeah. Sweat. It was just, it, I mean, like it, it was, um, they, they took the most obvious guy in both situations. Outside of Sweat, because he fell a little bit, is there anyone that went, in the range we probably expected that you like, Kevin? Mm, I mean, I, so, Robert, you're the one who doesn't like Nikhil Harry. I do not like Nikhil Harry. Okay, not even in the Patriots system. I just don't like him very much. Okay. I, I just think that he struggles to separate. I, I think he, he's just not the type of receiver that I like. I am not going to go for the guy who outmuscles you and is a contested catch machine in college. I want to see my guys get open first and foremost. And I just don't think he did that consistently. Danny, do you think that's off base? So, no, I don't think he, no, I don't think that's off base. I don't think he was, uh, you know, a separator or whatever, but I actually think the fit is perfect because, I mean, Brady throws with anticipation. He's going to throw it up for him. I think Harry has the ability to separate late, use his frame and his size and his, and his hands to win at the catch point. And so, um, I like the fit a lot, actually. You know, it's it's always a, a crapshoot 
<laughs> when the Patriots pick a receiver. I mean, that's the thing. It's the track um, record is not there. So that doesn't necessarily mean anything, but like I I like him and I think that's a perfect fit for him. Um so I'm excited to see how it goes, but I I definitely am kind of on the same track where I see what Nikhil uh, Harry like would detractors would see in the sense that, you know, he he's he's not going to separate and he's not super explosive. So, um I think that's going to be a fascinating one. I like the Jerry Tillery pick for the Chargers. That's my favorite person. one. Yeah, I mean that—that's exactly where I think we expected him to go in that range, um, and it, it's a perfect fit. Like on that defensive line, it's—he's going to just be able to just get after it. I think the sheer amount of pass rushing and explosive talent they have now, if he ends up being good with Bosa, Ingram, and him, that's yeah. nasty, man. And the they, Chargers keep making picks that I like. They have not had that guy in the interior in a while. You know, Legion's not that person. He's a different style of player. And to have a sudden penetrating defensive tackle, that is just something they've been missing from that defense pretty much for the last five years, this iteration of the defense. There are a couple of guys, Danny, here in this list that it just makes sense to me in terms of the marriage between team and player and need mm-hmm. and range. I think that Brian Burns to Carolina is a perfect example of that. Yeah, I like that. I think that Garrett Bradbury to the Vikings at 18 is a perfect example of that. Mm-hmm. And the Broncos being able to go down from 10 and getting Noah Fant makes sense to me because they yeah, really yeah. needed some sort of playmaking presence at tight end or just in the receiving core in general because I mean, you have Emmanuel Sanders is hurt. He's yeah. coming back from he, he, debil- like a very devastating Achilles. injury last year. You obviously yeah. lose Demarius Thomas. So, I mean, they really did need another presence there and I think that's exactly what he gives you. So, a lot of picks in that range that's just like, okay, I, I can see it. Andre Dillard to Philadelphia is, I mean, it's clearly a Jason Peters contingency plan there. So they're trying to figure out some sort of succession plan at left tackle. Uh, the giant, the Falcons picking Chris Lindstrom is interesting to me because they s- spent on two guards in free agency. They got Jamon Brown and James Carpenter. So you pick an interior offensive lineman and then they come back at 31 and pick McGarry. McGarry from Washington. So I thought this they would really try to beef up that defense for one more run before these guys have to get paid. Whether it's Grady Jarrett on a long-term deal, whether it's Deion Jones' contract uh, being up at the end of the season, but they went the opposite direction. They really tried to say, all right, we want our offense to be as complete as it possibly can. Yeah, they spent a lot too because I think 14 felt a little bit high for Lindstrom, especially with mm-hmm. the players that were still on the board. Um, including Bradbury, who I like a lot. Um, and then they, I can't remember what they spent. It was like second or third to come up and get McGarry. So, I mean, man, they really, really wanted to bolster that offensive line. I kind of get it, I guess, because, you know, offensively, they really, really, they rely on balance and and keeping uh, Matt Ryan clean and all that. But, but man, it was, that, that was kind of surprising. I, like you said, I, I wasn't expecting them to, double down on that in particular, especially after what they did in free agency. So let's go back into kind of the Giants mold here with franchises using picks that they got in superstar trades and really deploying them in terrible ways. (laughs) The Raiders picking a running back with the Khalil Mack first round pick is just a delight to me. It it is fantastic. I forgot about that. It's just, 
I just don't understand if you're Oakland and you're thinking about what that team needs. They still need so much defensive talent no matter what. I mean, they have stopgap line, linebackers. They could definitely use somebody on the edge. I mean, why not? If, if you're really scared about the Montez Sweat health situation, I guess that's why you don't take him there. But I, I think that we're going to be sitting there in two years being like, I cannot believe the Raiders are just rolling with this pass rush and they drafted what? a running back in the first round. What team did they think was going to take a running back? I, I don't know. I, I really don't know. The Ravens weren't gonna, I don't think. And no, the Ravens took a really fast receiver because the Ravens <laughs> don't do dumb shit all the time. <laughs> I just don't. Yeah, that one, the, the value didn't make any sense. If anything, I thought they were going to do that at twenty seven, and they, to do it at twenty four, it's just like, I mean, who did they think was going to like grab him at that spot? I mean, it just wasn't. I, I didn't get it, um, and I forgot that that was the pick. For Khalil Mack, which just makes it even worse. It's just like, man. Before we move on, let's take a quick break. Hiring used to be hard. Multiple job sites, stacks of resumes, a confusing review process. But today, hiring can be easy and you only have to go to one place to get it done. ZipRecruiter.com slash RingerNFL. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. And right now, our listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash RingerNFL. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash RingerNFL. ZipRecruiter.com, R-I-N-G-E-R-N-F-L. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. So we didn't get to the defensive backs on the show when we were previewing the draft. So I Mm -hmm. am less familiar with a lot of those guys than I am with other players at different positions. So let's talk about the safeties very briefly because I don't know a lot about them. So Savage going to Green Bay, Abraham going or Abram going to Oakland. Mm -hmm. Do you like those picks? Do you feel like those guys went in the right order? Kind of walk me through those. I mean, Savage, that pick to me was a little bit of a, that was a reach, um, I had him, I think, like 50-something on my board. I like him a lot. I think maybe I'm going to end up looking back and being like, oh, man, I had him way too low. Um, But they did, I think, trade up for that pick. So it's a big buy. Um, I'd like, once now that the pick is in, like, I like the fit a lot. It it makes a lot of sense. I mean, that defensive secondary has the chance to be seriously good. Um, You know, they're, they're young still, and they have to kind of figure it all out. But, I mean, you got Adrian Amos, who they signed in free agency, uh, Josh Jones, Jair, Jair Alexander, Kevin King, Josh Jackson. I mean, think about all the the you know high end picks that they've sunk into that position group. And I think Savage is sort of he's like a slot corner slash uh, you know slot safety corner hybrid. Um, who organizational just philosophy fl- and value they love flexibility and right, bodies in the right. secondary. I mean, right. I, obviously, you know, Gukuts is there for his year two, his second draft, I want to say. But I mean, he's he learned at Ted Thompson's feet. I mean, that's a team that has always used a ton of resources and picks on those positions high because they love being able to do a lot of different yeah. stuff in the back end. And I think he's, this is, you're seeing more of the same. He's a really fun player. I think that I think Packer fans are going to really like him. He's he's got good instincts. He he jumps routes. He's he's he plays downhill a lot, and so he's he's a really fun player, super athlete. 
Um, so I don't like hate that pick. I, the value to me wasn't quite right, but I don't know. It's always so hard to tell that this early. You just kind of have to see how it goes. Um, but I think the player makes a lot of sense, and, and plugging him into that defense is fun. Abram, I loved Rashawn Gary at 12, by the way. I loved him going <laughs> to Green Bay at 12. I'm just sitting there like quietly fist pumping. Like, Thank yes. God. Let's yeah, do this. I know a lot of Seahawks fans were feeling that too because he'd been connected to the Seahawks a bunch today and yesterday and stuff. So, um, yeah. And, and then Abram to the Raiders, it, it's, I mean, I liked when I, so I had a bias, I think, going in that he's a box safety. And I just don't think that there's that much value in box safeties in general. But when I turned on the tape for Abram, he was one of the most fun players to watch on tape of any player in this whole draft. I mean, he flies around, he hits guys, you know, he takes personal offense if you try and block him. There was actually, if you go watch the Iowa game, he was like throwing Hawkinson around. And That's so... Fun. Yeah, I mean, he he's like a really fun... He's like Jamal Adams kind of-esque. Interesting. I okay. I, it seems like they need a presence like that. They've kind of swung and missed on some safeties as of late. And That's... Yeah. I mean, and I wrote... He, he, he's a culture or identity, I think, creator type player. So is Josh Jacobs. I mean, you can see what the Raiders are trying to do. They're trying to get like tough physical dudes on the cool. defense. I mean, that's Mayock. I, I the, the defense guess. that works for me, the Josh Jacobs thing does not work for me. No, I mean, I agree. But... um. Both guys, I think, are sort of identity picks or whatever. One pick that I was surprised by just because it's not a name that had been really mentioned in that range and also went ahead of guys that I think kind of the consensus was were better than him is Tyus Howard going to Houston. And I think that yeah. probably says more about Jawan Taylor's health than it does yeah, about whether Tyus Howard is worthy of that pick. So, yeah, that came in late that he had like a knee thing. Um, I didn't think we even knew about it until yesterday or today. And so <clears throat> today being Thursday night. And so, yeah, that was a big surprise that he fell that far. Cody Ford uh, is still on the board, I believe, right? He didn't he, he didn't get taken in the first round. He did so. not. I was going to ask you who the best guys left were and, and who was still remaining at the top of your yeah. board. I mean, as we kind of go into tomorrow, spin this forward a little bit. So who are so, those guys? If Cody Ford's one name, Jawan Taylor's another name, anybody else? Um, for me, Byron Murphy and Greedy Williams still mm-hmm. being on the board is... Interesting. I, I knew we knew that like there was a chance that cornerbacks could really fall in this class, and that definitely ended up happening. Um, DeAndre Baker, I believe, is the first corner that went off the board, first and only cornerback, which yeah. is surprising. And I'm assuming the Giants were kind of sitting there as the first round was winding down, and they're just like, "Really? Like no, yeah. no one's going to take him?" And I did this with no cornerbacks going. I guarantee you, that's why they were getting on the phone to try to move back up because they just didn't yeah. think he'd be available. And to me, that's actually kind of funny because I think in the last month or so, all we'd heard in, in the rumor mill or whatever was that Baker was the one who could fall. <laughs> and so, yeah. I don't know, it's just, this is the perfect, like, you know, that's just how the draft goes. That was a big surprise. Um, I thought it was surprising that A.J. Brown didn't go in the first round. I thought he mm-hmm. might be a first rounder. Um I mean, other than that, it wasn't like super surprising. I, I it made sense to me that Marquise Brown was the first receiver to go off the board. Uh, DK Metcalf is still out there, um, but pl- like past that, I think coming into the draft, it was pretty clear that the players from about twenty to sixty-five or seventy, it was a big pl- like plateau of like talent. It really wasn't going to be too surprising if you get guys kind of like like I think Savage is a perfect example, like. 
some people might have had him as a first rounder, some people might have had him as a second rounder, and it didn't really matter because there was just a plateau like of the I think grades that a lot of teams had for these guys. Who and not even just in terms of value or guys you like, but whose landing spot are you most intrigued by on day two? On day two? Yeah. Like those guys that are still left. Who are you really curious? Like, I wonder where he's going to go. Yeah. So I actually did a two round mock draft yeah, uh, this week and a couple teams. I think, I think that the second round could be like receiver, the receiver round yep. or some, some of these guys come off the board. Um, I put DK Metcalf to the Colts because wow, okay. I just think having him paired up with, with T.Y. Hilton, you give him two, you give Andrew Luck two really, really good dynamic deep threats. And then Speed they have for days. Yeah. And then you get Funchess over the middle as kind of like a, just a big slot weapon. Um, so I kind of thought that was an intriguing pairing. And I like Keem Butler with 49ers. You know, AJ Brown could go to either of these teams now. And so that would be really fascinating too. Cause I think he's actually, he's fallen a little bit more than I expected. Um, so I'm I'm really interested to see where I guess the receivers go, and then I'm just looking at like the board of all the players that are still you know out there. Obviously, I'm I'm very curious to see where these tackles are going to go and, and where these corners are going to go because I was expecting them to be first rounders. Yeah, it seems like the, you're Drew, be able to- the Drew Lock thing is really interesting to me. I was because, about to mention that because I think that we're yeah, getting and, and, and so one of the things I think is interesting is that I'm I'm thinking about the Josh Rosen thing a little bit. Because if you're one of these teams that wants to trade a third-round pick for Josh Rosen, if you're one of these teams that's planning for the future, are you thinking about maybe just taking Drew Locke in the second round? I don't know. Maybe. I mean, I'm just saying it's the same sort of market, which is like at some point this is a value. This quarterback is a value. So that's why— I think that Josh Rosen is better than Drew Locke. I'm not making that comparison at all. What I'm saying is if you're someone like the Green Bay Packers and you're just like, eh, whatever— I just think you start thinking about it. See, the, for, the Bengals, for instance. So those that's the class of team that I would be thinking about. It's not the successor. I mean, because Rodgers, I've never understood the Drew Locker quarterback to Green Bay thing. Daniel Jeremiah had it, you, and I wanted the chaos. You have to pay <laughs> Rodgers for three more years. So essentially, the rookie deal is over for the quarterback that you just drafted. You're throwing away all value for having a quarterback on a rookie contract if you, trade, if you draft one right now if you're Green Bay. But that sect of teams like... Cincinnati, I would throw the Bucks in there. I mean, if you're getting him in the second round and you're not paying him anything, it's a possible plan to move on from Jameis Winston after this season if you see that. So uh, that I think there are more teams in play for Locke now that he's slipped into the second round than we probably are thinking about at first glance. DK, any other thoughts? Any parting <laughs> shots here before I'm we just, sorry, before we go Twitter. to bed? It's it's eleven forty <laughs> Pacific time who in the PM tonight. Who else could have taken a quarterback? Because here's the thing: I think right now the Dolphins, the only team, and they might be tanking. That we said, okay, they need a quarterback, mm-hmm. but I don't really think any. I'm not really surprised. Maybe the Chargers look at it at some point. I think Oakland is the other team. Well, no, I mean, oh, but who the hell knows what they're doing? If they like Drew Locke, why wouldn't you take him at thirty five? I mean, why wouldn't oh, you man. take him instead of the running back? <laughs> That's true. If they did, if they why liked him, they would have taken him more than Josh Jacobs. I Jacob just saw spot. a tweet. I'm sorry, I, I don't don't have the name in front of me, but I saw it like ten minutes ago. That was like the the Raiders sent all their scouts home because they were scared that the Cleveland Farrell pick was going to leak. <laughs> really? Sure, on the top ten, be like, good, good for you guys. Are they worried the scouts <laughs> were going to laugh at them? That's the issue. 
Yeah, that's there's not. It's Someone not that was like, "Hey guys, don't do this." It's not like, about everybody secrets. Go home. It's about just general discord because the decisions being made are terrible decisions. All right, DK, uh, thank you very much. I, yeah, I don't understand how you're still alive right now, but uh, <laughs> hopefully you can keep kind of powering through here. We'll be back later this weekend after a couple more rounds kind of fly off the board here. We will revisit, you know, some of the values that were found on day two, on day three. Until then, though, as always, thank you guys so much for listening to the Ringer NFL Show on the Ringer Podcast Network. We'll talk to you later. Thanks, guys. Support for today's show comes from Collection by Michael Strahan, available exclusively at JCPenney. Collection by Michael Strahan makes it easy to look good and feel your best no matter the occasion. The collection includes suit separates, sport coats, dress shirts, neckwear, belts, accessories, basics, denim, luggage, and shoes. Big and tall and boy sizes too. Collection by Michael Strahan is available exclusively at JCPenney. Visit a store near you or go to jcp.com.